Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human Podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human. My name is Jackie Ford. I am a teacher, coach and mentor living in Scotland and working globally and I'm with one of my loveliest colleagues today, um, a man named John Countryman. John's, I've known John for years, years and years, although I think we've only met in person once, have we? One, one time. Yet he is just this lovely, lovely soul who has such a beautiful, calming presence about him. And I wanted to introduce you to him because we met a couple of weeks ago and, and he told me a beautiful story about one of his his colleagues that I, I was just reduced to tears. And I'm hoping he's going to share that with us today. John, I thank you so much for joining me. And, and I would love for you to tell people a bit more about you. Absolutely. Well, I was a theater professor <laughs> for 38 years. That was my first career. And I am merging into an encore career as a gerontologist. So I'm working with elders primarily in assisted living communities uh, at the moment. Mm -hmm. And on the side, I uh, do some improvisational acting. And that's most of what's going on in my life right now. I do some volunteer teaching at a lifelong learning institute. And all of my courses are about Ireland because Ireland is my second love. I, I also love Scotland, got to say, because mm -hmm. my mother's ancestry was Scottish. Mm -hmm. And the first uh, time I visited Europe, uh, we flew into Prestwick. Oh, that's like yeah. 10 miles up the road from me. Was yeah. that, was that I, with Freddie Laker? Was yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, and that was, uh, that was, that was a wonderful trip. And we were there actually, well, we were in the UK and Ireland for most of the summer. So it was a very exciting time for my wife and myself. Um, so that's, that's kind of me. And, um, you know, it, I, I, just I just want to say that, you know, having said what I've said about myself, that I, I just wanted to be able to say to the people listening in, because I know it's an unusual time, that I've been having a lot of thoughts about what I'm grateful for right now. Mm. And... I am going to share that story, Jackie, but I just wanted to let everybody know that there's so much to be grateful for. And for myself, I'm grateful for the fact that I have that improv training mm. because it means that I can be responsive and, and adaptable to what's right in front of me in the moment. Yeah. You know? And uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, the teaching that I did, I guess in a way, I'm still a teacher, but one of the things that 
I thought about this week was the idea of the teachable moment and, and, and the teachable moment doesn't have to do with me being an instructor and sort of spoon feeding a student. It has to do with creating uh, the container where they can have insights and they can do the learning, you know, on their own. And I'm also grateful for this understanding that, you know, your podcast is all about and that we, we share mm. in the world. Uh, because this is a time when uh, it would be so easy to get caught up. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, as, as George Pransky would say, fill in the blanks with all kinds of scary scenarios. And, and, and you know, we'll do that. Um, but if we know where that's coming from, it's, you know, it's helpful. So let me tell you the story about my friend, because this was an amazing experience for us. Um, one of the improv groups that I'm a part of, it's, it's technically what's called applied theater, which means that you're not working from a script and, and creating a production that's a finished product that an audience comes to see primarily for entertainment, but that you go and you work with groups uh, in a participatory fashion. So we go uh, to selected groups and we harvest stories from them and then we play them back for them improvisationally and there are a number of different forms of how to do that we you know there's no one way uh to play back their story and they're short forms they're not they're not not what's called long form improv um so i've i've been working with a group in harrisonburg virginia which is a couple hours from where i am and uh, the, very recently, the co-founder of that group, um, well, let me back up. Uh, 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 our, uh, the person who communicates with us about uh, our work together uh, contacted all of us in the troop and said, uh, we have learned that uh, our colleague, uh, his doctor has given him a diagnosis that he has no more than two weeks left in his life. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny, you, you think you're prepared for that sort of thing. He'd had health problems for a long time and it wasn't entirely a surprise, but it's always, you know, when it, when, when it happens, you kind of go, oh gosh, you know, uh, what, what, well, what, 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 uh, what happened was, the gentleman himself said, I want us to meet and have an evening where I get to say goodbye to all of you because you're my family. Mm. Um, and which was, we felt very honored by that. Uh, we, we had worked together for quite some time. Uh, <laughs> and and so we, it, it happened very quickly because time was of the essence and we all met uh, on, a, on the evening that we would ordinarily meet to rehearse uh, with the troupe and some other people who had been earlier been members of the troupe came from out of state and there were a couple of family members there. And he showed up and uh, he had a, uh, a caregiver with him, and he also had an end-of-life doula with him, and an end-of-life doula is someone who 
is not uh, there for the, the physical or medical needs, but for the uh, social, emotional, and spiritual needs of the person. I love person. that, Joan. At I the just end love that. Life. Isn't that it's amazing? Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, well, I'll tell you something about it at the end of the story because mm. it's, I was very, I, I'd never heard of that before. Mm. I mean, to me, a doula was somebody who was essentially... Help bring life into the world. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Well, uh, our friend showed up. I'm, I'm not using his name. Maybe I should come up with a... Let, let's call him Patrick. Just okay. That's not his real name. Uh, but Patrick showed up, and he was in a, in a wheelchair, and he was, you know, we could see that he was altered. Um, he had uh, had uh, he'd had diabetes for a long time. He had a, he had a lower leg removed. Uh, he was on uh, dialysis, and he'd had a he'd had a bad heart attack uh, about about a year and a half ago. And eleven years previous to that, he'd had a triple bypass surgery, so he'd been through it. And his body was just you know yeah it was tired. Bad. It was yeah. So he came in, Jackie, and he said. So here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he had so much energy. He had so much energy and, and, and he brought so much goodwill to the group. He said, here's how I want the evening to go. <laughs> here's how I want the evening to proceed. And we're all kind of going, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he said, well, we have food here. You know, you can't have an event like this without, you know, uh, a, 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 a break for, uh, you know, for vittles. We call them vittles in the South, victuals. And uh, he said, so in the first half of the evening, I'm going to share with you my philosophy of why we're here and what's going to happen tonight. And then I'm going to share a couple of stories with you. One will be a a story of scarcity and one will be a story of abundance. Mm -hmm. Then we'll take a break and have some, have snack. And we'll come back and we'll do the second half, which I'll describe in a minute. So he, he said, let me start with, with my sort of philosophical statement. He said, you know, in Persia, when the first wife goes to the baths and her helpers bring these amphorae of healing oils into the water and they pour the healing waters into the, into the water uh, for the first wife. <laughs> and he said, what happens is not only does the first wife get healed, but so, so do the helpers who pour the healing oils into the water. And he said, so tonight, I'm the first wife, and you all are the helpers. Oh, that's beautiful. So, you know, that started the evening, and we're all kind of going, oh, we're going to get healed too. We're going to get healed, I guess, of our concern for him, our anxiety about what's going to happen tonight, our worry about losing our friend, all that. Very, very moving. And then he said, so here's my story. And, and, and with the stories that he told, he said, I want you to do what we normally do is when after I tell my story, I want you to play them back for me. I want you to perform my stories for me. <laughs> he said, I'll let you know if I approve. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, no pressure. 
And, and uh, he said, uh, he said, well, the story of, of scarcity, he said, many of you know that I, I experienced an abusive childhood. And he said, he said, one of the things that, that probably people who aren't in the community that addresses trauma really understands is that trauma at, at any stage in life, it, become, it can be become an embodied experience. You can take it in, into, into yourself and carry it. Uh, and he said, uh, so my story of scarcity is when I was, when I was young, I, I, I take it from his story that he was maybe seven years old around that. Um, he was having terrible nosebleeds, which you can identify with. Well, oh, I can identify. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had them too. And, uh -huh. and, and, and I, I, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if this was the case, but I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, well, if he was under a lot of stress, if he didn't know where, danger in his own domestic setting was coming from at any given moment you know he might he might be experiencing so much stress that, that, yeah. that, that nosebleeds could spontaneously happen so he said one time he had a nosebleed and they could not stop it and uh so eventually they had to take him to the emergency room and they got him there and eventually they stopped him but they it stopped the the nosebleed but but they said we're gonna we're gonna keep you overnight just for observation which they did. And sometime after he returned home, he was sitting at the kitchen table one morning and his father came in with a, with a, a, a letter in his hand and he slapped it down on the table and he said, see what you have done? And it was the bill from the hospital for the emergency room visit. Um, and he said, uh, the reason that you see me in the physical condition you see me now is in part because I internalized that. Now, don't you wish, Jackie, that he'd had this understanding yeah. <laughs> early in his life? But I, 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 I you know, uh, we um, we were we were moved by that, so we performed that. Uh, uh, back for him and then he told the story of abundance <laughs> and he said he said about a year after he had his open heart surgery his sons came to him and he said well there's a half marathon that's going to be run here in the city and we want to run it with you of course he hadn't really thought about something that ambitious i suppose after after major invasive surgery like that he had he said they said well we'll we'll run with you uh, and we'll make sure that you know we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there with you, and and, and we expect you to finish. <laughs> so he's telling this story. Our friend is telling this story, and he pulled out this medal, and he draped it around his neck, and he says, "Here's the medal I got for running the race." He says, "I think I came in, if not dead last, very close to it." <laughs> he said, "But I did finish the race." Yeah. He said, "The best part of the race was there was this absolutely knockout young woman." who passed me as I was, as I was running. And so I'm seeing her running away from me. And he said, the view was wonderful. <laughs> and he said, it just made my day. And he said, I was so slow mm -hmm. that she lapped me. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I got to see it again. So, <laughs> so we, we played back both of these stories for him. And, uh, and what, what, what we do, not, not all playback groups do this, but what we do after the story is we hold our hands out in a gesture of invitation as if to say, did we? Yeah. Did we succeed in capturing your story? And some of the some of the forms are nonverbal. Some of them there's dialogue and they and they're different shapes and all that sort of thing. And the one we did for the the one we did for the uh, uh, the the story of abundance uh, was called a narrative V. And in a narrative V, there's a point person. There really there really is a V. There's a point person and kind of the other actors are wings off of that point person and and the point person tells the story but usually we do it metaphorically because metaphors are so powerful I mean we in the principles really understand the power of metaphor mm. and uh and she just she the person who was our point person for the story that day said you know once upon a time there was a turtle well a tortoise actually fine point there but it was <laughs> and uh and uh unfortunately the tortoise uh the shell the shell of the tortoise got damaged and uh they had to go in the tortoise had to go into the tortoise doctor and get a new shell and you know it took a while for the shell to you know for for the tortoise to adapt and for the shell to heal and all this sort of stuff she's making this up it was beautiful and what happens is we're moving with the story you know and there's kind mm -hmm. of all this nonverbal embellishment that goes along with it um and uh, and then of course she 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 pulled out the tortoise and the hare story and she said, you know, there was this rabbit who, who, who said, I challenge you to a race, you know? So anyway, that's what we did with the playback for that, for that particular story. It was lovely. Um, and then we had our break and we had our vittles and we came back and uh, the gentleman said, what I want to do next is, is, I, first, I want each of you to come up and sit next to me and tell me a story about your experience with me. We won't play all those back because there's too many of them. There were about 15 of us there. Um, but you all get to witness uh, other people's stories and, you know, just take turns and that sort of thing. And I'll respond as I see fit. So we all did that. And I would say, you, you would, now here's what's really interesting, Jack. You might think, if you just, you know, if you heard this story in the abstract, you might think that people were just uh, bawling their eyes out while all this is going on, you know? Not at all. We were, we were laughing, we were cheering, we were, you know, it was incredible. Um, and I remember I went up and I said, you know, we, I said, here's, here's, here's a story of my experience of you. We were in rehearsal one time. And because he had the prosthetic leg, we were doing some pretty vigorous uh, performing and he slipped and he, and he fell down. Well, of course, we all, we all rushed to uh, his side. Are you all right? Are you all right? And he goes, of course, I'm all right. Just, you know, just give me a hand, lift me up. He said, you know, I, 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 I bounce back very easily. A testament to human resilience, this man. And so I told him this story and he said, yeah, I remember that. I remember that, that rehearsal. He said, that wasn't the only time that happened. 
he said, he said, throughout my life, there were times when I fell down and I just picked myself right back up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he said, the final thing I want to do is, and it's, uh, he was combining, I think, a ceremony from the Maori people in New Zealand with a Hebrew, uh, with a Hebrew ritual. And what we did was we leaned it, he's, for each of us would go to him and we would lean forward. He was in the chair so we, and we were standing, but we would lean forward and we would touch foreheads. And we would share our thoughts with one another in the moment, like, like a moment of sort of genuine connection and intimacy, mm-hmm. you know? And each of us had an opportunity to do that. But here's the thing. He said, I want you to all do it for each other too. I want you to do it for each other while this is going on, while you're waiting to be the one to come up to do it with me. And he said, when you're finished with what sharing whatever confidences or whatever you want to say, I want you to lean back and look up at the sky and say, Ruah! <laughs> Which I, I understand is basically just a way of celebrating the wonder of our existence. Mm. You know, just a way of saying, wow, you know, ain't it grand, you know? So we all did this and it was, it was, it was wonderful. And, and while we're, while we're uh, waiting or after some of us have gone, a few of us were in a, in a small circle and we're kind of off to the side and we're kind of commenting on what an amazing experience this is. And this end of life doula, who is a lovely woman, she said, you know, you guys are really good at this. And we said, oh yeah, well, we get together every Sunday and rehearse and all this. She said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you're really good at this end of life stuff. And she said, you know, this is what I do. This is what I do professionally. Some of you might consider doing this. <laughs> so I had I'd driven over, it's a two hour drive each way. I'd driven over that night with uh, another colleague and we're, uh, it's, it's someone who here in Richmond, Virginia, we're trying to put, in, put together a new playback group here. And we're processing this on the way home and just marveling at what we, what we experienced. And I found myself saying, you know, I think I could do that. I think I could do that work as an end of life doula. There was something very precious about it. So here's the, here's the upshot of this for me, Jackie, is we went there that night thinking that the gift would be us, we would be bringing the gift to him. Oh, how naive we were. Because the, the gift was what he gave to us. That yeah. Oh my gosh, we were just blown away by the generosity and the humility of, of his presence that night. And his level of, of equanimity at the end of life just... It's not, it's not when, 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 you know, when, when we think about that moment in our lives or anyone else's lives, that's not necessarily 
<laughs> what comes to mind, right? Um, and I, I, I just, you know, I tell you that story because I think that your listenership, is that a word? <laughs> your listenership would appreciate the way in which state of mind determines the experience that we have. And, and, you know, to go back to my sort of improv training thing, you know, what happens to us every moment in the, in the moment is an offer. That's what we call it in improv. It's an offer. And you can either say yes and to it, or you can say yes, but, and you can resist, you know? And that whole evening was a yes and. Affirming, affirming one another, affirming the event itself, not knowing what to expect, but, but responding to what was right in front of us in a spontaneous way. And I think that's the way, you know, to the best of our ability with uh, all that's going on in the world, that's not a bad way to live our lives. You know, it's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful story, John. I mean, it really, really is to have, for someone who is dying, to have that grace humility, um, compassion and generosity in their last weeks or days to make sure that everybody else is okay too, that you have this opportunity to heal. I saw that with my father and it blew yeah. me away. It just blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm, you know, was, you, there's a, there's a there's a book that had a big impact on me and basically i think it's it's uh, it's informed by the principles even if she maybe didn't know about the principles but her name is darlene stewart mm -hmm. and it's about that teachable moment and it's about how the the the, the most uh profound uh learnings that we have come through insight and it's it's about this it's about this idea of the teachable moment that and 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 that evening with our friend was a teachable moment, but he wasn't, he wasn't an instructor. Mm -hmm. He was, he was pointing us in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in to, 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 to see something new that perhaps we hadn't seen before. You know, he was directing our attention to something that we've always had within us, but maybe weren't quite awake to yet, or that we've forgotten. Yeah. You know, uh, and I just, every time I think about that evening, I just smile. I just, it makes, just makes me feel so good, you know. Um, and uh, so 11 days later, we got the word that he had passed. And, uh, and we, we, we had had, we had, had we, we had a celebration of his life you know there's this idea of a of a living wake mm. <laughs> i've always told people you know don't wait until i'm gone <laughs> let's gather around the table and you can you know but uh in, in a way i guess that that's what he was doing but it wasn't self-serving it was it was so it was 
uh, like I say, it was a gift for us, mm. for him to share with what he did that night. And especially the metaphor of healing, all of us as he was healed. You know? yeah. He was ready. He was ready. Isn't, isn't that interesting, John, that people know, they know when they're about to pass. You know, as a nurse, I've seen that time and time and time again. I've seen it with my parents. I've seen it with my grandparents. There's a knowing. There's a knowing. Mm. Mm. And in that space of the knowing and the inevitable, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to love and to heal and just to give. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of is Sydney Banks would say, well, I'll put it in the context of the story. Mm -hmm. We all know we're mortal. We all know we're going to die. But do we know? <laughs> <laughs> But do we know we're going to... Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think a time comes where that knowing arrives, it shows up for us. Um, and, it, you know, it is one of those occasions in life where why resist? It's just you'll suffer yeah. more, you know? And, and I think he saw that. Um, he was able to see that and help us to see that. Yeah which is the gift. It's the absolute gift. When you were talking about sort of, you know, <laughs> a living, a living inheritance or, you know, whatever it was you said, it reminded me of a couple of years ago. Um, we did something different and we went up to one of my daughter's apartments for Christmas dinner and she made Christmas dinner that year. We need to buy it all, but she made it <laughs> <laughs> as always. And, um, I looked out all of my grandmother's jewelry and all of my jewelry and all of my mum's jewelry. And after dinner on Christmas Day, I just, all, all of my gold, all the gold jewellery, I just put it all on the table and I said, take what you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they all picked pieces. There was no fighting. They all picked beautiful pieces from it and they wear it every day. Oh and my goodness, really? That's that so fills my heart, you know? Yeah. Because what's the point of these beautiful things that are family heirlooms being stuffed in a box and then waiting till the day that I die to then look at all this beautiful stuff and, you know, maybe squabble over it or, you know, it was a beautiful moment for me to say, look, here, here is my grandmother's jewellery. Here is my mother's jewellery. Here is the jewellery that both my grandmother and my mother have bought for me. What would you like? You know, I do, uh, in, in my gerontology work, I do uh, legacy work. Mm -hmm. the, the mantra that I use is, there are people not yet born who are waiting to hear from you. Mm. And one of the things that we do is we start with objects like your jewelry. And I don't know if you did this when you laid, it, when you laid all of your jewelry out, but those objects are attached to stories. Oh, I told the stories. Yeah. I did. The stories of, course. The stories of yes. when you received them and when they were passed yes. on to you yes. and all of that sort of thing. And 
you know, what, I, mean, I, I, I talk to elders all the time and I say, you know, there used to be a library in Alexandria <laughs> in Egypt and it burned down. And I said, don't let your library burn down no, or you all. have a chance to share mm. uh, for those people not yet born who are waiting to hear from you. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I even had a, a briefcase, John. I bought this beautiful Italian leather briefcase when I started working in the pharmaceutical industry. It was beautiful, soft leather. And one of my daughters is, is um, at university studying law. And I was clearing out a lot of things. And I said, would anybody like this briefcase? And Nikki said, yes. And I yeah. said, do you know, Nikki, I bought that with my first salary. Oh, my goodness. You know, and oh, she, yeah. she loves that. She loves knowing that where I bought it, why I bought it, how I bought it. And she mm -hmm. says, I love that, mum. I love things with a story. So as you see, we all are connected through our stories. Yeah, and through parts of our, ourselves that we share with others, mm -hmm. whether it's a briefcase or uh, a generous story with, with his theater family, mm. with my friend, whatever it is, yeah. Um, it, ma it, it matters, it matters uh, that we're in this world and it matters, we matter to each other and we, we, we have an opportunity while we're here this brief candle that we are, we have an opportunity to make a difference. And I know you're making a huge difference. I, I love to go in and listen to your podcast from time to time and just, it'll lift my spirits. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so uh, thank you for inviting me to uh, contribute and participate because it's been a, a genuine pleasure and honor. I'm saying goodbye bye to my wife here as I speak to you, <laughs> walking out the door. No, John, thank you for being a guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. I know everybody's just going to fall in love with you. You're a beautiful, gentle soul. I love what you're doing in the world, and um, I wish you nothing but health and happiness. Same to you. You could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living now. Oh